0: The future, I think, is universal commerce where you don't say this person lives in this channel. You think about where the person started and how you had a relationship with them all the way through to the end of not just the purchase, but post-purchase.
1: People love their pets. That's a universal truth that Nick James uses as his North Star while working as a Senior Director of Customer Experience at Blue Buffalo, a General Mills company. That's where the universality ends though. Pet parents, just like consumers in all industries, are individuals with specific needs and brands have to create experiences and implement technology to make every customer journey as personal as possible. Nick explained what that personalization looks like at Blue Buffalo, the technological foundation necessary to pivot when consumer behavior changes, and he even got into what it takes to create a campaign that leverages a big moment like National Puppy Day in order to drive engagement. This is Up Next in Commerce. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, and I'm excited to dive into this one. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and hmm. Maybe, but how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who wanna break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. All right, everyone. Today, we have the awesome Nick James joining us. Nick, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks, Stephanie. Um, This is awesome to actually be on my first podcast, specifically with you and uh, your partner in Crime Hillary. So...
1: So honored. So, you've been in the world of retail for a very long time. I want to hear your thoughts on where do you see it evolving to? Like, what are maybe the shifts you're seeing in working with your partners, and where do you think it's headed over the next like two to three years?
0: Yeah, I think this idea of like universal commerce, you know, we're starting to see themes around meta and web three around things becoming decentralized. And the future, I think, is universal commerce where you don't say this person lives in this channel, you think about where the person started and how you call it, had a relationship with them all the way through to the end of not just the purchase, but post-purchase. And there was actually a write-up too by McKinsey talking about things like this, where there is going to be this emergence of business to business and business to consumer, because if you call it eight hours a day, you're working business to business. And then the other four to five hours, maybe you're shopping, you're a consumer. You want those things that you're seeing when you're a consumer, the same things that you're seeing business to business. And so I think when we think of commerce, you know, from a digital standpoint is you're going to see personalization. I think obviously it's already, you know, being driven forward, but I think you're going to see it in hyperdrive because content messaging, all these things that people are going to learn, they're going to make sure those things are attributed across the consumer journey. On top of that is it's going to start to drive efficiencies across the organization where you're actually, I think, winning uh, for the consumer versus call it winning for like a specific segment or function of your team. And the other aspect too is back to like the content piece. You could see this in China and Korea is like video and how important video was to illustrate and call it maybe, you know, the brand's promise or the benefits or the values of the products. I think you're going to start to see video start to attach itself along the way, especially as we see connected TV come across and how those things can actually be strong attributes to either the mechanisms of the buy, buying behavior. And then I think when we think of uh, commerce too, you know, these digital TVs and just how uh, simple and efficient they are and QR codes, they've been around for a while. Right. But now all of a sudden,
1: finally here to use. <laughs> yeah.
0: Everyone's using it, but you go over to, you know, the far East China and Korea, it was like a norm six, seven years ago. Everyone was using yeah. it. And so I think what you'll also start to see is when we talk about digital TV is just, you know, how commerce can happen on your phone now can actually be attributed to your TV. And you're starting to see, I was reading a study recently is where they're, they're showing that this idea of what TVs represent um, and how streaming can actually happen on your phone and in your desktop or your, or your laptop, all these things are almost like being, you know, connected all together from an attribution standpoint, because it's it's so tough to, you know, differentiate and disseminate the information. So I just think you're going to start to see, I think, a, a wild, a little bit more of a wild west in, in this digital TV and this connected experience piece.
1: Yeah. I, I do feel like it's close though, from everyone I've talked to, it's like, it's inching forward every single month, maybe of like how to connect all the platforms and all the places that your brand is, you know, presenting itself at. I think we're headed in the right direction, but definitely still a hard problem that I hear from many guests so far on the show.
0: The one thing I know you talked about, I think in a couple episodes ago, was around like NFTs and in, in Web3 and kind of the value there. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, NFTs, people talk about, well, it's, it's a collection, it's a unique drop. It, it can add value called to maybe your loyalty, your rewards program, or maybe it's like a new product. But I think the cool thing there is, there's there's a strong connectivity around community and it allows, you know, because it is digital, you don't have to be in a physical location. So it allows people around the globe to actually have similarities yep. and, and have maybe, you know, connectivities that we maybe never used to have mm-hmm. in regards to collecting. And also it allows, I think, uh, democratization across the board too, where you don't have to be, you know, the one percent or you don't have to be part of this club. To get access to you can actually be a young youth who's actually really like big into like Batman and Spider-Man and go collect. You don't have to be you know an individual that has accumulated a lot of wealth and knows someone to like get access to that. So I think this idea of NFTs to drive community in relationships. And then I think the web three or, or meta, I just think you know those attributes that you're gonna see there in a little bit of this is kind of like watching my son and just reading some of the articles, there's been so much about Meta um, and Web3 to like the last three weeks, is I think when people go in those spaces and there's a brand that's being attributed in there, they're going to now have those norms that they're now going to assume, call it in this space, like this mm-hmm. space that you and I are talking in. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting to see how brands pivot and want to pivot in that space. And mm-hmm. do expectations now keep on rising where the old ways of uh, e-commerce was like, well, I order online, I get in five days. And then it was like, well, I order online, I get in two days and then I order online, I get it in a day and then now it's like, well, I order I expect it in an hour or 15 minutes, whatever. And so I, I wonder if like those norms and those behaviors will start to now shift, you know, behaviors like we're having around communication and immersing with a brand. Yeah. The web three, it's just like, I wanna watch and learn and see like, you know, what people are doing to pioneer in that space. And then, yeah, NFTs, I mean, we've kicked around some discovery in that space, but we're still trying to understand, like, what is the real value that we're going to offer pet parents? Um, because at the end of the day, that's, that's our remit and that's what we need to do as kind of uh, the CX and digital product team.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of ideas around putting puppies in the NFTs. I mean, who wouldn't want that? That'd be super cute. <laughs>
0: We did that for uh, April Fools, actually, yeah, Oh, did you? We had the buff coin and and we posted it and it we saw great engagement. and I give a lot of credit to our our social media lead because we did a test last year for April Fools around this dog chair, you uh-huh. know, like feed them like family. Uh-huh. this intent. Oh, and so yeah, she came back with this idea. And it's like a Blue Buffalo coin that we used to actually give to individuals. Wow. Digitize.
1: (laughs) I like that. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Par for the course in regards to like everything going on, you know, in the space. So,
1: yeah, that's awesome. I want to dive into your background because you look like you have done many, many things. I mean, I saw you worked at Nike for, I think, a decade and then you went over to Converse and you did a lot of other things in between and before that. But I want to hear, you know, what did your path look like before joining Blue Buffalo? Yeah. I mean, my path,
0: it was almost 20 years, actually, with Nike Inc., with Jones Converse. And um, my path probably was not traditional. My path, when I got out of college, actually, was actually starting to work in retail and, and learn <laughs> the rigors of of how to run a store. Uh, and at the time, it was with a small regional uh, big box player called Chaco Stores, which is no longer in business. Then hopping back over to Nike, uh, which I did work for when I was in college, so my mom made me uh, take have three jobs between high school and college.
1: Go mom. Wait, what was your and first so- job? <laughs> I want to hear about your first job, actually, like first childhood job now.
0: My first actually was walking dogs.
1: Okay. That's a good one to have.
0: Yeah. I got paid cash and it was with a, a, a therapist and I was in sixth grade, I would do it a couple times a week. And when they would go out of town, I would feed the dogs. It was, it was amazing. But, That's a um,
1: fun circular story of where you're at today.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. And it's one of those commonalities. And my career really where it took off with Nike was when I went out West and I was in their retail development program and I would rotate through their business cycles right before the great recession happened. And I took a job in marketing community um, which was one of my rotations. And it was really setting up their community grant program, um, their first really CRM program. And I was so green, had uh, really no clue what I was doing. And then also thinking about how to pivot their uh, advertising. So thinking about out of home differently and setting that up. And so I I did that for a few years. And what I was missing was maybe the connectivity back to the consumer even deeper. And so I raised my hand. I was like, hey, I want to get into product and buying and merchandising. And so I did that then for uh, another five years across all the Nike categories and genders. And there you feel like you own a P&L. you're working with uh, different uh, groups or audiences to really build a business plan and help bring it to market. And on top of that, doing a lot of kind of consumer insights. And how I made it to Converse was one of my old uh, bosses went over to Converse and a couple other people from Nike, and they were thinking about setting up their digital organization, specifically like e commerce. I went out there, it was literally like the day my son was born, they called me up and I was like, well, maybe it's, it's like the right moment in time. And my wife was like, ah, she's from the East Coast, want to move to the East, back to the East and uh, came out to Boston, you know, really felt like I had a a good routine with the individuals I met and where they want to go with the business. And so I came over to Converse to head up their merchandising site, uh, content strategy site operations and the customization business and was there for about five years. And then um, before I jumped into blue, I actually, I took a year off right, right before COVID. And uh, I got two boys and it was um, kind of like right time, right place. Like I just needed like a time to pause. I was not, I was close to my kids, but I was missing them like in the mornings and at evenings and just missing the routines. And my wife was wanting to get back into you know work and and she was starting up her consulting business. And so She'd kind of given me, I'm gonna say, you know, the long leash to to do my professional gig, and I felt like I I owed it back to her at, at the bare minimum. And on top of that is like spending time with my kids, and then the pandemic hit, so it was like right time, right place. But I'm very thankful to be back at Blue, especially you know when the people are really authentic, really true to who they are, and want to work uh, together. So like just the culture is uh, unbelievable. Two is when I met with Tom Morton, who was not a, he was one of the founding members, but not one of the founders. And he was the CMO at the time. And then Bethany, who is our president, like they just like, the conversation I had with them, what they were going to call it, offer me from my development, but also how I was going to help them out around building, you know, what we're trying to build here uh, across digital products and experiences. And then the other thing was just like, you know how they could kind of like plant some seeds what they could share with me of, of where they want to go and i haven't looked back since um just because of like what we've been able to do and like the people that we work with and then the only day is like our purpose is pretty simple it's like love them like family feed them like family and now that we bought pet brands it's also treat them like family um to, to wake up and know that like you're nourishing you know dogs and cats and, and you're seeing them from maybe the beginning all the way to the end and helping Give them good balance and a lot of pet parents need that too need that uh, affirmation it's it's pretty easy to get out of bed and kind of like rally the troops around like very really simple call it principles or values that you know we want to get after yeah uh, around our business
1: okay that's awesome I, mean, I was looking at numbers and i think i saw pet food ecom will account for like 55 of total pet food sales by 2025 or something like that i'm sure it might even be earlier than that but looking at where it was even two or three years ago, the amount of online sales that were happening to now and where they're projected to go. I mean, what has that felt like inside of a company that's probably experiencing like massive growth because of you know, the past couple of years?
0: Yeah, I, I think what it's felt like is um, trying to really be clear of like what, what we wanna accomplish um, especially as we're bringing on what we call, we call ourselves buffs uh, inside the herd. Uh-huh. And so, I like that. yeah, and it, it's not a big organization when you think about it. We're, we're going to be 20 years old in this coming year. When General Mills bought us, we were about a billion dollars. Now we're over 2 billion. So in roughly a six-year range. And then to add like new channels, new capabilities, you're bringing on a lot of new talent. People are, are being stretched uh, sometimes in, in spaces that gets a little uncomfortable. And so, you know, the team has had to be really clear of where we want to go. And then two, the reason why we maybe had chose, hey, let's let's invest a little bit heavier in uh, e-com and go to that space was more importantly, where was the consumer going? And where did they need to be served? And, and a lot of times it is e-com And as the retail evolution also has happened is, you know, people use BOPIS or, you know, Byline and pick up in stores, like that also has kind of driven, um, call it this ease, this use case. And then on top of that, with COVID, a lot of stores were closed um, based on, you know, the jurisdiction. So the only way sometimes people could actually get food and nourish their cats or their dogs was through e-com. So there was also a little bit of some natural evolution there. And then early on in this podcast, we were talking about was, just the macro trends and the behaviors that are changing and one of the insights here has been a large movement from a younger demographic of adopting pets i think there was just a natural evolution with this younger demographic using phones being mobile and also like once you've found call it your nutrition for your your dog or your cat or your multiple um you kind of stick with it you know our, our president bethany says this is Dogs right now, they're not going out to dinner, right? They're they're having dinner at home, so the routine is somewhat there. And then I would also say, some of the retailers have made it much easier, right, for you to subscribe constantly and have something deliver and almost not think about it. And I think that's been a little bit of this evolution of e-commerce is, yeah, you know, it's really from a utilitarian standpoint. I think simplified certain things and a lot of things my wife and I do we don't go in store. We buy online, have it delivered here, or we go pick it up just because we're busy. We got two boys and we have other complica- complicated things happening in our lives. So I think there's just been this commonality that's happened. And some some people have been early movers and some people will be late adopters, but I do think it's just also this natural evolution of a shift. And then I think the other piece in pet specifically is it's outpacing, call it grocery and human side of the food. And so- that will be interesting as you think farther out, like how fast does that start to pick up speed?
1: Yeah. So in thinking about it from a commerce angle, I mean, from the past year, like, what did you come in and maybe what changes did you make or did you bring any you know, new technology in? Because I'm thinking, you know, for this industry, I don't ever see it returning to the buying behavior pre-pandemic, I mean, especially when it comes to like heavy items like waters, dog foods. I'm not going into a store and putting that in a cart and breaking my back. I'm going to order it online and just have it right on my doorstep. So I'm sure you guys are probably seeing those trends and being like, oh, we better make sure that we can really like play here in this world of e-commerce. Like what did you bring into the space or into the company uh, or what changes did you have to make kind of behind the scenes to make this work for this new kind of buyer?
0: Yeah. For us, we still see about a third of um, individuals shopping physical and call it digital. So there's still, you know, a third of of pet parents shopping both channels and right now we can call it channels. I do think the evolution is call it, you know, almost like universal commerce, but how, what I came in to blue was like help think about our experiences, uh, specifically the digital ones and the digital products that we're going to add value to pet parents. So for us was thinking about call it the one-to-one relationship. So helping pet parents, like if you're a cat pet parent, you know, you don't want dog information. So thinking about that, thinking about user journeys. So if I see an advertisement or I see a search term, like where are they gonna see it? And then how are they gonna call it, pull it through the funnel? And then where are we gonna drop them to? So an example today is on our website, we have the True Blue Test and that allows pet parents to understand Um, What's the right nutrition for their dog or their cat, but we're not selling it online. We're actually taking them into a retailer's website that would be obviously closest to the proximity, or maybe it's part of maybe their loyalty or rewards program, but we're there to help add the value, the authentic information where needed. The other things though, that we did think about changing was in our pet parent care team, we were doing phone calls and we get submissions to the website in, in this space, there's a lot of questions around the nutrition that you need. There's questions about maybe sizing and stuff. And so one of the things we've done is start to open up chat inside our app that allows actually more of a one-to-one relationship to kind of happen with those pet parents, because there's still a lot of people in this age that want human interaction. And maybe the store was closed, or an example is we have pet detectives, but those pet detectives, we can't reach all our retail locations. So. It's an ability for us to actually have some guidance at the end of the table to help service them. And then I think the other aspect here is, you know, when we think about supporting uh, retailers and kind of like the supply arm, making sure like we're thinking through the sell-through rates and the kind of the dynamics of that. And, and the biggest thing I think all everyone's kind of felt pressures is the supply chain constraints. And so the team has had to think about placing bets in those spaces. We are talking about like thinking about new tools around demand planning, we are thinking about other technologies, but early on, you know, my, my charge was thinking about how does the user experience look like? And then on top of that is like making sure we have the right technologies to kind of stand up this organization from a cloud base that gives us the agility and the capabilities to help us, you know, pivot if, heaven forbid, something else occurs, you know, that really changes uh, consumer consumption or consumer wants and needs that allows us to kind of move with flexibility based on, you know, the SaaS solutions and the architecture we've built.
1: There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. What are the best user experiences that you built that had the biggest returns on investment? Was it the quizzes, or was it the chatbots, or even the person on the other side? I mean, what did you guys implement where you were like, whoa, that had a way bigger return than we were even anticipating.
0: Yeah, right now, what, what we're seeing is, and I would say we're still early on, we're gonna release 1.5 uh, the end of this month of April. Um, so we've had basically seven releases uh, with this product. So I would say the first three to four months was just kind of getting data in, you know, making sure like everything is stable and keep on iterating and, and testing uh, with new products as we would do releases. Now, as we have some, call it maturity, and I wouldn't even call it maturity, but we have some baselines of data. What we are seeing is the pet parents that are buying, you know, so scanning these QR codes that we've inserted in bags and then engaged in the app normally have a higher attribution rate of actually being much more engaged with our brand. And so we're driving value to them because they're earning and receiving rewards, either if they're buying or they're engaged in the app. And so that's going to give them value in regards to like, if they want to redeem these rewards. The other aspect here too, is what we've kind of done around the engagement model is we've stood up um, open feed a chat so we can give guidance. So for instance, you might have a question and, and maybe you can't get a hold of your vet, not saying we're a vet, but maybe there's some questions there that you just need someone who's kind of been living in this space. And so we can, we can supplement that or you have questions about the type of food you need and, and everything you've read online, you don't, you don't have. And so we've we set up this uh, engagement rate. We're not here around measuring, call it return on investment yet in, in that space. But it's more about like how are we giving guidance and service? And so we've seen you know, stronger engagement in that space. And then I was just coming off a business call earlier today, and we have like 150 learn articles and we had a huge spike this last month in regards to like people jumping in to learn content and, and trying to engage. And so I think what that does is that gives um, an incremental, call it backstop for, for pet parents to kind of understand like when they have decisions to make as if their pet's getting older, or maybe they want to bring a new pet into the household. So like, how should they think about that and, and make some of those choice decisions? So we're seeing spikes and we, we assume some of those spikes, actually, we did a great call it, initiative tied to National Puppy Day.
1: Oh, is that what the spike was from? Because I was wondering, I was like, what are the spikes from, Nick? Come on, let me know. <laughs> yeah, one of one of the spikes
0: is tied, we think, to National Puppy Day. Okay. We had a 12X engagement in our Connect forum um, on our social media platforms. We had a 3X engagement. We had our best engagement rate on Twitter um, since 2017, actually. Wow, um,
1: wow, congratulations. That's exciting.
0: Yeah, so there is something there in regards to maybe the magic sauce of us thinking of what we call moments that matter for a pet parent, and thinking about that user journey and making sure the communication, the levers are there all in place. And then also that the communication is personalized so that it's just not what, what a lot of times what we used to do is use the same type of content and kind of drive it all the way through. But this time we've taken a much more editorial approach, thought about like where we want to drop them in the user journeys, where they should land. And then like, how do we want to keep people engaged and informed And so, you know, learn was an example, our connect forum, which is um, similar to um, maybe like social media, but it's, it's, it's gated. So it's not intended to like sell you stuff. And and it's allow you, it's really intended to, you know, for you to find like-minded individuals. So community members and have questions or conversations with those individuals. Cause that was one thing as we went into the pandemic, that there was a big gap and a big miss for pet parents. Like they couldn't, go to places, even like dog parks were closed for a bit. And so they needed to find, you know, forums or tribes, you know, per se that they could actually ask questions. And if you ever ever in buddies, you'll see that too. Like we have pet parents asking questions around the right feeding or the right type of like vet. And then pet parents actually answering those questions and helping them out. And then if needed, we do have our, our open chat where they'll also jump in to solve some of those questions. So those are some of the things that we've, we've seen in regards to kind of driving this engagement as we think about, you could say e-commerce, but I think about it as more universal commerce around giving added value uh, to those moments that matter for a pet parent outside of just maybe the purchasing decision. Yes, we want, we want to sell food and, and we do a great job of it, but it's also like as things arise around, call it you know pricing, but also as people have questions or maybe concerns we want to make sure, you know, there's added value for them in either their decision making or just like, hey, they're, they're a loyal fan. So let's give them a little love and a little gush for them so that they stay true to, you know, our brand uh, in regards to just buying behavior.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk a bit more about the International Puppy Day now. You're mentioning that, you know, this time around is much more personal than probably ever before, and that you were dropping, you know, the users at different points in the user journey, depending on maybe what they're engaging with. I want to just drill into it a little bit and hear more about, like, I want to unpack what the campaign looked like, how did you personalize it, and, you know, what different points were you dropping these either new or existing customers into a journey? Yeah. I want to know all of that.
0: I think the journey started with really us having the vision of saying, okay, National Puppy, Puppy Day is happening, and then thinking about how would we want to tease out the moment, and then how would we want to maybe complete the moment, and then thinking about, okay, if we think about National Puppy Day, where, where do we see most uh, pet parents at that moment, and then how would we want to pull them through the life cycle of the, the journey? And so for us, a lot of it was how do we give them a back, and I call it a backstop, and so, you know, an example would be like our Learn Forum, our community, our Connect, And then also we do uh, have what we call moments that matter bundles and give them added value in regards to either earning incremental rewards, having a place where they could actually have engagement with like-minded pet parents or uh, actually get uh, incremental articles. So we thought about where would we want to A, tease out the moment. And so we would use a lot of social media to do that in our connect forum. Then B, what we did is through basically a two day moment is we used, for instance, all our own channels and stood up uh, a campaign that really understood and added value to pet parents. And then through that, we took them back into uh, buddy's experience to help give them, call it incremental rewards through that. And then for us, what this is, is this is a distillation where now, as we talk about new call it initiatives tied to pet cancer awareness, which is right around the corner, we actually have now a baseline of like, what were the right use cases to bring this pet parent through and what were, for instance, the right um, comms plans, if it was imagery, messaging, and then also channels to kind of have a conversation with them and make sure that they felt heard and there was value for them.
1: It sounds like it's a much easier journey or a more gentle one, maybe instead of being like, everyone go over to the app, you know, right away, like all the campaigns are sending you here. Yeah. Instead, it's like little touch points and then kind of testing and being like, oh, okay, you, you like being here and you'll probably like this even more. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that approach. And
0: Stephanie, like one of the things is, I mean, we're really early on in this journey. We, prior to January of 2021, you know, this organization was a team of five individuals. And now, you know, we're a team of over 30, direct or indirect. And, you know, we have a mindset using an agile mindset, thinking, having a growth mindset, and thinking about ways to call it test and iterate, especially early on for the you know next year or two, because we haven't had as many baselines to help understand the user and the behavior. We've had, obviously, we do panels, so quantum qualitative stuff, but that's at the moment where maybe they're not really truly making the decision, right? They're somewhat volunteering. Now we're actually in the journey, trying to pull them through and trying to see like what keeps them engaged, what adds value to, to their experience. And then from there we can start to say, okay, here was like our benchmark or our baseline. Now let's put hopefully a better initiative together that still uses a lot of the same tools, but maybe it's just a little bit more optimized. And, and I think what that will do is that allows us to actually build out much better uh, personalization for those specific pet parents in those specific moments that actually drives incremental value for, you know, our partners who are selling our food.
1: Yeah. When you were going through the tests and iterations, were there any tests that you made that maybe were surprisingly successful where you're like, oh, I didn't know you all would like that. Or, you know, people are maybe unhappy with something and you're like, oh, okay. I thought everyone would have wanted that, but maybe not.
0: Yeah. There's been actually a few in buddies in the pet profile. There's a timeline and, you know, the belief is like, well, the timeline, because Is part of a family. You can have six people, you know, tied to this single dog or cat, or you got multiple putting in the timeline when they walked, when they fed them. Well, one would always assume it's super utilitarian. It makes sense, right? Like you would want like people to do that. We see a lot of people early on, like jump in, engaged in the timeline, but maybe the repetition isn't there. And so what we've done is we've done some AB testing. And this was one of our first AB testing where we actually added more engagement points and we actually saw an uptick. It wasn't like dramatic, but it it was enough where we could say, okay, there was value there that if we can kind of help a little bit lead the consumer to kind of populate the timeline, which is a true benefit to the health and wellness of their pet. And on top of that allows them, for instance, if they got a dog walker or even use it for their vet, like both those things are huge wins because you're all speaking the same language because you kind of journalized what you've done for your cat or your dog and so that was like one of one of the early on ab tests
1: and that's good for you guys i mean once you would yeah. understand like the frequency of feeding and how much they're feeding and then you're like oh here's the your next offering you need it exactly 41 days after you buy your first one
0: <laughs> yeah and that's I, I think that's also like the beauty here too is now we can start to think about as we start to understand pet parents like maybe we're not serving call it the right packaging size or maybe measurement like we always kid around like it will say like one scoop you know but to someone a scoop might mean like a spoon someone might mean like a measuring cup someone might you know like a pitcher right so it depends on what measuring cup my kid
1: (laughs) dropped into the bowl that day i don't know like depends what they chose (laughs) yeah
0: so it's all these things that i you know you're you're learning and understanding um the user and you need a year to kind of like start to have some baseline so that you could say, okay, I'm gonna make a little bit more of an educated hypothesis going forward. Obviously we have value cases and hypothesis, but you don't know unless you try.
1: Yeah, okay, so that one initially maybe caused too much friction and then you're like, well, you add some reminders and then they're back on track and they actually like it and find it valuable. Okay, what other lessons maybe when you were trying to you know stoke engagement or yeah, try new things?
0: One of the things is uh, when you get into like our home screen, on some of the symbols, you would almost like automatically assume like, oh, I click on this. It takes me into a journey. Well, it's not designed because we're still at an MLP level. So that's like one of like the insights is like, oh yeah, I guess we could have spent a little bit more time building out those journeys. It would have taken a little bit longer to launch um, our beta, but that is, I think like a true blocker, you know? So like, that's a learning, like we're seeing call it a drop-off there. The other aspects is, um, in our learn content, we have six categories. And so based on hashtags, we've started to see, okay, we're missing some hashtags we're missing learn content. And so that's allowed us to actually build out new content. So behavioral has been one thing that we didn't build out enough and people need that, especially as people are going out back to work to help nurture their pets. But also there's a couple other categories like we just, we, we were missing and we didn't wanna like put out, call it 12 categories cause we weren't sure if 12 really mattered. We kept it to six, but as we've kind of seen user behavior happen, we've said, okay, we got to add a couple of new categories to the list of um, learn articles. So when you filter or when you search, that's what's kind of populating. So that was like a miss maybe on, on our end. And I would say a miss on my end was our connect forum has been just highly engaged. And a little bit of hindsight here on my end was like, I wish we would have had the images much bigger from, from the get go. Um, obviously, it's going to happen in our next release, but like to me, we could have done I think a little bit more to help drive more of an immersion and engagement. But I think that's part of like this this learn test kind of iteration and also being kind of responsible in regards to like you didn't want to overbuild or en- overengineer something because you weren't sure like how they were going to engage. Yes, we'd done some alphas, we'd done research and asked the questions, but even there, you have such a small audience sometimes that you're not always for sure like how people are going to kind of drive and and use the technology.
1: Yeah. Okay. And was it the product images that you're like, we should have had those bigger than they were or which images? It's
0: the posts. So like in the posts, a lot of
1: pet parents are actually
0: going in posting pictures of their cats and their dogs.
1: Got it. So the customers pictures. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: But national puppy day, a lot of people will put like, we have a meme generator too. And they'll put images of like their dog with like a meme or, or something like that. And so you want to bring these images to life. There's a reason why they're posting six images is because they're, they're gushing about, you know, their fur babies or or showing like who they just adopted and they're welcoming them to their community. And so those are areas where I think we can, we're working to bring these things to life, to make it definitely much more engaging and and invaluable for the pet parents.
1: Got it. Okay. So I'm impressed with your guys' community already. I mean, where you all are at, I hear many other brands talking about that it's a place they want to get to. And thinking about how do i you know even get customers and potential customers into this community how do i keep them engaged what does that look like it's to me it sounds like you already have your own community but it's like i'm trying to think about how you guys balance it between when do you step in and kind of help guide conversations or answer things versus when do you just let the community take it away because on one side i'm like it sounds like you've got a reddit over there where you've got people answering questions asking questions but then you also have a little bit more you know like your brand is definitely stepping in as well to be like, well, here's the actual you know, yeah. possible answers to your question. Like, How do you think about that balance?
0: It, it was basically a lot of the products that we have and how we work in this agile method is we normally have principles. And so we've had principles on how we want to manage, and I say manage the forum. And so some of it was a little bit about privacy and call it age. Age, you know, early on when we were building the product, like certain age groups, um, we weren't going to allow in there just because of um, yeah, we just didn't want children, but also past that was okay. How, when do we want to step in and when do we want to, you know, allow the community to kind of, you know, be the ambassadors. Um, and then we're, do we want to call it drive clarity? And sometimes in the nutritional space, we want to drive incremental clarity. So we'll lean in there. But if someone's, you know, asking about grooming, best grooming, um, we'll allow normally the community to kind of prescribe. And then if the pet parent has further questions, then one of our Ask a Buffs will jump in too, but we're trying to allow the community to make decisions. We do also have, if you read the statement, we have some policies in place too. Like if people what we call bad actors, then we'll remove them from the site. But you know, it, it is one of those things when, before we launched, I was like, oh boy, like this, this is going to be exciting, but also it's a little nerve wracking because yeah. you're like, oh, wow, I'm standing up like a social forum you know, you don't have handcuffs on everybody, but it's also like, you got to believe, you know, most people are, are going to do the right thing. Yeah. But also when they sign up, they, they also know what they're getting into. And so based on those bylaws too, we can remove them if needed.
1: I mean, um, I want to ask like, what is the rate of maybe new people who are not customers coming into that community? Like what percent of these are completely new people who are like, I just have a question and I need to get in here and ask. And then how many of those are you tracking, like actually end up becoming, you know, your guys' customers?
0: Yeah. So we built, you know, it's, it's Buddies by Blue Buffalo. And so yeah, that's the app. It, it's intended to be called a little bit more open, a little bit more broad, um, because, you know, we want to be the partner in pet parenthood. And that's our tagline on Buddies. And, and we know that certain individuals, when we talk about community, maybe aren't buying blue right away. And that's the decision. Maybe that was a decision they made with their vet or with their partner you know, that's the decision they they made. But we want to make sure that they have a, a safe place to go. We have basically one out of four individuals who right now are, are not buying blue, but they are engaged in the community of, of some sort. And and so that was a little bit of the model of how we built it. And then, you know, the three, three-fourths three of them, yeah, they are buying blue. And and we know that based on um, them redeeming, call it these QR codes to receive points for, for buying product. But I think the positive here is you know, we're trying to build an area and call it a safe place where they can get tips or recommendations. They can uh, find individuals who maybe have the same type of breed. And then the, the positive too, for us from a business is if they so do choose, which we hope they do, because we really believe about the product at some point in time, they're going to buy our treats or our dry food or our wet food um, through blue.
1: Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming on here for your first podcast. Wow, I could not tell. So thank you for saying yes to us. Where can people learn more about you and what you're up to at Blue Buffalo?
0: Yeah, I think the easiest place is to find me on LinkedIn at Nick James. And then um, at Blue Buffalo, I would say just, you know, join, obviously, buddies. and, And I think you can see kind of the amazingness and the greatness that's kind of happening from the team who are building out products and experiences basically every seven weeks. And Stephanie, this was great too. I it was great to meet you and in Hillary and and learn a little bit of kind of your journey too. So I appreciate you being you know tremendous host and uh, uh, thank you breaking me in into this space.
1: Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.